why it is so important to make high quality, healthy food accessible to food insecure um, folks. Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. Super excited to be here today. So uh, this is probably a first. I'm actually recording internationally as we're here, but thanks be to Wi-Fi. Kelly's here with me, as is our awesome guest today, Kirsten Sines-Toby. Kirsten is the founder of a company called Revolution Foods. And as we always do, we'll let her introduce herself. Thank you, Kirsten, so much for being with us today. Tell us about what you do in the world. Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, It's great to be with you guys So I am the co-founder and chief impact officer of Revolution Foods. Um, Revolution Foods is a company that uh, has a mission of providing access to high-quality, healthy meals, uh, particularly for underserved uh, kids and families. So we've been operating in the school meal space for about 16 years now. Um, and we are also, um, in the, you know, in the process of, um, expanding our offerings to meet community needs, um, based on, you know, a a pretty major expansion of, of our offering during the COVID period, um, and looking to make that a more sustainable kind of food access channel for adults and seniors and families outside of schools. Um, so excited to be here with you both. Well, thank you so much for that. This is Kelly. Uh, we are, as Laura said, thrilled to have you here with us. And I'm just wondering for our listeners if maybe they're thinking like I do. Um, you know, when we talk about food in schools, a couple of organizations come to my mind. And I'm wondering if you could um, say what it is that Revolution Foods does. You've kind of started to allude to that, that makes it maybe different from the companies we might traditionally be thinking about. Sure. Yeah. So I think first of all, the the one of the um, biggest kind of differentiators for us is I think that we're the only company in the space of providing school meals that is a public benefit corporation as well as a certified B Corp. Um, and Lovely. both of those are sort of you know um, one is governance based, one is third party certification, but both are you know just sort of um, you know indications of our real kind of commitment to a mission and to providing and delivering a social impact, um, as well as, you know, being a a good business and delivering on sort of the traditional business goals. Um, And, you know, we've been a a certified B Corp for over 10 years. Um, We converted to being a public benefit corp just last year. So that's a, that's a fairly new change for us because that finally became possible in the state of Delaware, where we are incorporated. Um, but both of those things, you know, mean that we spend, we and, you know, our board and our whole governance structure and our team spend, you know, a lot of time and and resources investing in um, both measuring the impact that we have in our communities um, and also, you know, making sure that what we do and, and you know, the, the meals that we deliver are truly delivering an impact um, in terms of, you know, nutrition and nu- good nutrition leading to 
better performance in schools. Um, and, you know, we, we spend a lot of time looking at and, and developing meals that are going to be both, you know, for us, nutrition is not just kind of what the nutrients are in the meals, but also making sure that the meals taste really good so that kids will mm -hmm. actually eat them um, because <laughs> nutrition doesn't really count if it doesn't get eaten. Um, exactly. And so there's uh, just a lot that we do to, to, um, you know, be focused on, on being kind of a, a good, uh, a good company, a good employer and delivering a good high quality um, product that has a, a real meaningful impact. Well, thank you for that. You know, we love um, B Corps and benefit corporations here on the podcast and um, so happy. I am also in Delaware. So I'm also, I was just thinking, I'm like, are you guys so close happy? By? Maybe we'll go on a tour when I'm down at Kelly's house. <laughs> well, I think, are you, you're um, incorporated in Delaware? Like we're incorporated in Delaware. We're not located, located in Delaware. Right. Um, like many companies we're incorporated in Delaware um, based mm -hmm. on, you know, having taken venture capital and, mm -hmm. and private equity um, types of funding, which generally mandate that companies incorporate in the state of Delaware, but we're based sure. in Oakland, California. Um, oh, I'll come we also there have <laughs> <laughs> Kelly and I'll come there for a tour. No problem. <laughs> no, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, so thank you for sharing that because I know re our regular listeners understand that um, through the certification, there's a great deal of transparency. And I think in the world that we're in today, that's very helpful for consumers, in this case, school districts, but also parents to understand. So thanks for, for sharing that with us. So Kirsten, I, you know, I love that you are using the title of chief impact officer and, and just in the brief summary that you shared about your company, I hear so much impact, but I'm curious, you know, why that title, what does it mean to you? You know, can you tell me what impact means to you as a leader? Um, how do you define it for your organization and for yourself personally? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, to me, um, chief impact officer and the way that that we've sort of defined it within our company is is sort of a couple fold. So one, I am, you know, the, the person in the company that's responsible for, you know, going through and, and making sure that our B Corp certification gets completed every few years, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of our, our impact measurement. We, we do um, report to our board on impact metrics uh, at our board meetings. And so there's, you know, sort of the, the collection of that data, both kind of internal data on, um, you know, looking at diversity metrics on our team, looking at employment factors, um, job creation, um, as well as some of the external metrics, looking at, um, you know, the what what percent of the um, of the kids that we serve or the schools that we serve are kids that qualify for free reduced price lunch um, mm -hmm. so that we can, you know, really demonstrate that we're having an impact in the um, in the most food insecure, um, you know, parts of our communities. Um, so that's that's a part of it is sort of the the measurement of our impact. Um, another part of it is really you know making sure that everybody in our company understands and feels like a steward of our impact. So whether that's in the way that we you know create jobs and train people, or whether that's in the way that we um, that we you know demonstrate and, and live by our core values in our day to day. Or whether that's in the way that we, you know, design our our food and our meals. And so, the the other part of my um, of my role as chief impact officer is I actually run our product group. So you know, our nutrition team, our product development team, um, our chefs who design and um, you know sort of create and, and design our our meals every day uh, to make sure that you know we're designing them in a way that will deliver the impact that we uh, that we seek to deliver in our communities and our students. Mm. I love I love that you even break impact into internal 
and external. And that, you know, you started to sort of answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You know, the whole reason this podcast exists is because Kelly and I believe that business can be used as a force of good. So, you know, yes, make a profit. That's amazing. And change the world. You know, clearly you guys are doing that. But for every company, it's it's a collection of humans. It's a collection of individuals and every individual matters, which you started to kind of touch on. How would you say your leadership, um, you know, beyond just what the company's doing in the world, but your leadership personally, how is that serving for a force for good in the organization? Well, I think there's um, there's an element to, you know, I'm a founder of the company and I think, you know, the the company sort of story of, of why we um, why we created the company is an important one for everyone in the company to hear and understand, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we started, my, my co-founder and I started the company both coming out of the education space and, mm-hmm. you know, having worked in and around schools and seen, you know, firsthand kind of the, both the lack of access to high quality food, particularly amongst low-income kids. Um, and then, you know, the the uh, the things that, you know, you see in, in schools and communities when, you know, when entire populations of kids don't have access to high quality, healthy food. So, you know, the, the public health crisis that are, that many of our, well, both low and higher income communities are, are in, but, you know, we've got staggering levels of obesity and diabetes and, um, and other kind of preventable diseases. So I think, you know, the, the, in my role as, um, as a founder, I, I try to, and as a leader in the company, you know, I try to make sure to connect that the sort of the why of why we started the company, which continues to be the why of why we continue to, you know, operate and grow and expand today. Um, So I think there's just, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of value in having, you know, having that connection at the same time. I also am very aware of, you know, there that we we've, and we've built an incredible talented team of leaders, you know, aside from myself, including our CEO and, you know, our whole um, executive and, and leadership team who, you know, need to kind of carry that message and live the core values. And, um, you know, it's not just about me sharing the story. It's about, you know, making sure that everybody truly understands the why of, you know, why it is so important to make high quality, healthy food accessible to food insecure um, folks. And so that's, that's what I see my role as, is, you know, making sure that everybody understands the why, um, but then making sure that everybody, you know, it's not just me that can explain it and to, and live by it. I love that. And I hear so much alignment. I mean, candidly, just the other day, Kelly and I had a conversation about, you know, like companies like yours and and founders, like you are the people that we really want to share in the world, you know, not people that are doing it because, you know, of some external impression, but like, Mm -hmm. I hear an alignment between who you are, how you lead and the company that you founded and, you know, the values that you bring both personally and professionally. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's a, um, you know, I think it's a, there's, there's a lot of different styles of, of leadership. And I think, you know, to have a company that can, grow and expand its impact. You actually need to have people that bring all different leadership styles mm-hmm. to the table. Um, well but said. I do think, mm-hmm. I do think that our, you know, when I look at it across our leadership team, we do where we do have complete alignment is on just like a real fundamental commitment to the mission and to the impact um, and a collective alignment around the importance of, you know, I think, you know, what, how you guys describe it, doing good business. So actually, you know, building a, a financially sustainable business is the only way for us to deliver our impact. And I think it's that's the other kind of commonality amongst our leadership team is that there's a, a really, I think, strong understanding of, you know, this isn't just about sort of like, you know, delivering an impact and and 
bringing in philanthropic funding every year to, to sustain us. This is about actually creating a business yeah. that, um, that delivers impact by its very, you know, delivery of product. Yeah. That's amazing. It's the, you know, the core values alignment and then combine that with the diversity of thought and the diversity of backgrounds and, and the folks that make up the leadership team. And that's a powerful force. And really the only place to go from there is strategy. Right? So, <laughs> See, Kelly, I teed it up for you. I didn't even thank know. Thank you, Laura. Because of course, that's where, where I'm thinking also. I mean, all of these things are so important, Kirsten. And, you know, just as you have, you know, eloquently described, there is a public health crisis around this. And I think we are becoming more and more aware of that old adage, right? We are what we eat and how that infects, affects us as individuals, as a development, as children grow and their brains develop and um, they're, they're becoming our, our future adults and, and citizens in the world. So I'm trying to understand, and, and I know you're going to do this for us beautifully. I just can tell already can you help us understand then how does food, I'm going to say security. So when it's all working, how does food security impact employment, improve um, or elevate people from poverty and in general drive our economy? Because there might be people who are listening to this who don't necessarily see that connection. Like how, how do we go from talking about school food to these larger business goals or, and objectives and what we want in a civil society? Sure. Yeah. Well, so there's, I mean, there's a framework known as social determinants of health. And I think that's, you know, one way to, to think about this is that there are, you know, you can think about health in a very narrow kind of medical sense, right? Mm -hmm. If you're sick, you go to the doctor and you get medicine. And then you, you know, if you get sick again, you go back to the doctor, and you get more medicine, but when, but there's a, a emerging and, and growing field of research that looks at, you know, health is determined by a number of different things, not just kind of how you feel that day and, you know, what's going on in your body. It's determined, you know, health is very, you know, strongly impacted by your housing status, your access to food, your access to clean water, your, um, you know, your, your employment status, all these, all these sort of other, you know, social determinants that can have either a negative or a positive impact on your health, your health care, your ability to, you know, overcome health challenges or to, you know, to suffer from increasing health challenges and food access is a, is a really important one of them. And, and so, it, you know, if you sort of think about like, if you don't, if an individual doesn't have, you know, sort of security on all those different fronts, housing, access to water, access to food, the sort of the basic, you know, human needs, right. They're not going to be able to be a productive member of society, right. It's going to be really challenging to get and find a job. If you're wondering where your next meal is going to come from. And if you're hungry all the time, and if you're, you know, or, or if you're, you know, only able to access really low quality food. And so then you're suffering from other diet related diseases, like, like heart disease or diabetes. Um, so all of those things, you know, that, that are where kind of food access is, is just such a central element of, you know, an individual being able to thrive, um, in, you know, in, in the economy and society, um, you know, you think about an, on a kid, on a you know child basis, you know, a, a child who's hungry or who's nourished with the wrong things is not going to be able to focus in school, not going to be able to, you know, do as well right. in their academic pursuits. So, so that's where, you know, we sort of see access to healthy food really is a, 
a driver of, you know, economic vitality in our communities. When you take this from the individual level and scale it up to, you know, the impacts of food insecurity at a community level, at a society level, if you have whole, you know, neighborhoods or communities of people who are, you know, kind of constantly like living from paycheck to paycheck, living from, you know, uh, food stamps uh, payment to the next food stamps payment. And at the end of the month, they can't buy the food that they need to feed their family. You know, it's it's really hard for families and individuals in those situations to be able to, you know, do things like contribute productively to the economy and be Absolutely. highly functioning members of society. So, um, so that's why we see, you know, food access is, is a really central um, driver of kind of community wellness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as many of these things are that we uh, present company excluded kind of like skim the surface of when we discuss them, they're so much more complex and intricate than I think we generally collectively speaking, give a passing thought to. And I, and you thank you because you did really share that and kind of illustrate that for us very clearly. And it also makes me wonder when you're measuring impact, are you measuring some of these determinants as well? Like where, where is the needle moving? Um, can you talk a little bit about what you look for in impact? So when we're measuring our impact as a company, we're, we're looking, I would say fairly narrowly because it's hard for us because sure. we don't want to we don't want to sort of take credit where credit's not due to us. <laughs> Understood. That makes sense. Completely um, understand, right? We so we measure, you know, the number of meals that we are to, that meet our high quality, you know, healthy meal standards that are being delivered to food insecure kids. We measure the the proportion of of students that we serve who qualify for free and reduced price lunch, which is you know a pretty good proxy for being food insecure. Um, and then we measure, um, and then we measure some of the internal pieces like, you know, our, our creation of jobs, the delivery of, of benefits to our employees, the diversity mm -hmm. of our team. Um, so I think, you know, I would love for us to get to a place where we could look at, you know, sort of bigger community wide or, or, you know, society wide impacts. But I think because there are so many different, you know, pieces of the web of, sure. uh, you know, the social determinants of, of health, it's, it, it becomes a little hard to actually, you know, correlate a, a, our intervention to a specific impact at the community level. But we do hear, you know, anecdotal stories from sure. school leaders about, you know, kids being able to focus in their classes and, you know, that those sorts of things, which, you know, help us to actually, you know, understand and, and see that we are at, you know, at sort of a higher level at a community level, having a, a positive impact. No, I love that. And, and certainly didn't mean to imply that you could measure those things, but I think it's helpful to discuss them in this conversation. As we know that we have people in our audience who are business owners and company leaders and to have them to be thinking about these things when they're, you know, maybe kind of complaining about balancing out a bottom line, right? There's so much more to look at and to know that companies like yours are doing that and in very real ways, helping to prepare a workforce to help prepare future consumers, right, to be healthy and make good choices. I think it's um, it's worth spending that time to talk about it. So thank you very much for that. Of course. So, Kirsten, one of the things that um, you know Kelly and I talk about this, and I think it's pretty obvious from our conversation. You know, we all agree that food insecurity is it's heartbreaking, um, but it's also preventable. And I don't know the statistics. I don't know the data. Um, 
I know that I see food waste all over the place and I just feel like there's got to be a better way to do it. And it's a global problem. You know, you're working in, in communities and, and various places throughout, um, throughout the U S but how do you, how do you stay focused on the good? You know, how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep your company and your team connected to the values um, when this problem kind of seems a little bit needless, but still continues? Yeah. I mean, some, some of the statistics, as you mentioned, are really staggering. I think, you know, the latest I saw was that I think 42 million Americans are food insecure, which is, wow. you know, one in eight Americans. So wow. we're surrounded by it. You know, each of us is no matter I was where say, we live. I'm curious, like what other, it, not to put you on the spot and it's totally okay if you don't, but I'm like, I'm actually really curious, what other stats are you hearing at this point about food insecurity? Well, so what's, what's even more staggering is that, that, so if it's one in eight Americans, it's one, six children are food insecure. So it's, you know, even it's, it's a even more dire problem amongst children. Um, And, you know, it's, it's hard to say exactly why that is, but I think, you know, clearly if a individual is trying to feed, not just themselves, but also a family, Mm -hmm. you know, you're spreading a paycheck across more people and it's, you know, it, I think it leads to more more food insecurity amongst children, which is why it's, you know, incredibly important. And we're, you know, very happy that there are federal programs that exist to, you know, to provide uh, meals to kids who are food insecure. Um, One of the challenges in the, in the federal programs is that there are not as many, you know, programs to provide meals to adults who are food insecure, Mm -hmm. Um, at least not, not in quite as accessible a way as, you know, kids are going to school every single day and food insecure kids can have access to a free meal or three free meals every single day in their school environment, um, which is, you know, fantastic when school is in session. I think there's obviously challenges when school's not in session during, you know, vacations, the summertime, um, you know, even after school and and the evening time, um, those are the times when, you know, some of the, the federal, there, there is federal funding for meals for those kids, but those programs are heavily underutilized. Um, and, you know, for probably obvious reasons, it's harder to, harder to, harder to find kids in the summertime, right? They're not showing up at school every single day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so those, those are some of the statistics. I think that the, um, you know, what you were asking kind of what keeps us going, I think, you know, the fact that we are, that we are a daily part of, many, many students' lives is what keeps us going, you know, and we're, it's, it's sort of, you know, gratifying, I think, to know that we are a part of these ongoing programs where, you know, kids are eating our meals every single day, five, you know, five days a week, um, and oftentimes three meals a day, a breakfast, a lunch, and a, and an after-school meal. And so, you know, that keeps our team, you know, really motivated knowing that there's, that, you know, if these kids are eating our meals every day, we've got to make sure the meals taste great. We've got to make sure they're delivered with excellence. We have to make sure that there's a variety so that they don't get tired of, of what we offer. Um, you know, it's not like a retail product where you're just kind of hoping somebody's going to buy it once a month. It really is, you know, we are a, we are a daily part of, um, of, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of kids and families lives at this point. So that, you know, feels like a great sort of responsibility to be, um, to be holding. But, you know, I think, like many great responsibilities, it's, it's really gratifying to know that we're able to, um, to, you know, have a, have a place in, in kids' lives. Hmm. I love that. That's a great way to say, I mean, you can probably connect really directly to the kids that you're impacting, which is powerful. Definitely. Yes. Awesome. So what are you excited about? What are you, you know, we're halfway through somehow we're halfway through the year already, <laughs> but what's on the horizon for you? What are you excited about, you know, for your company, uh, for the organization, what would you love to, uh, to share a little bit of excitement about? 
Yeah. Well, it's funny to hear you say we're halfway through the year because in, in our world, we're done yeah. with the year because we operate That's on the right. school year. Oh, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs> we are, um, we are, yeah. So we are just wrapping up the, um, the school year that's, you know, coming to an end. And, um, so it actually is a really, it's an exciting time to be looking ahead to the, the coming school year. I mean, summertime passes incredibly quickly in our mm-hmm. world. Some, some people might think we take a break in the summer and we don't really get to do that because we're serving summer meals to a lot of summer programs. Yeah. Um, and then we jump right into the, the next school year. Um, so some of the things that we're excited about and, and I'm excited about that are coming up for us is, you know, we have some just really in, incredible opportunities ahead of us to, to grow and impact more kids um, in K through 12 schools. I think, you know, we've got a, a lot of, um, we have some, some cool new kind of innovations coming out in the way that we serve our meals. So we're moving beyond and, you know, COVID kind of kept us in this world of each meal being individually wrapped and, you know, individually Mm -hmm. portioned to now we're offering what we call a buffet style platform for schools. So if schools have the ability, you know, have um, the ability to, to serve meals out to kids on plates, we can, you know, now do that starting in this next school year, which is, um, which is just an exciting kind of, you know, new way to get food out there. And it feels a little bit more, you know, like a restaurant style meal to a kid who's coming through the, the sure. cafeteria line. Um, and then I'm also excited about our, we're starting to, you know, look at how do we take some of um, what I mentioned in the very beginning, you know, some of, we did a lot of kind of adult emergency feeding during the COVID pandemic when, you know, counties and, and state governments were, were just, you know, getting meals out to as many people as they could because people were sheltered in place and, um, you know, homeless folks were being sheltered in hotels and things like that. And so we're, we're taking a lot of the learning from that, but starting to think through, you know, how can we, all of the people who've been, you know, food insecure for the last couple of years that, you know, that there was a lot of support for, they're still food insecure and they will be, you know, going forward, especially with inflation going at the rate it's going and gas prices continuing to go up. Um, You know, we're going to continue to see food insecurity amongst adults. And so we're starting to talk with, you know, different kind of community organizations and nonprofits about how to, how to create more robust and kind of sustainable programs to provide adults with, um, with high quality meals on a regular basis. Um, whether that's adults who qualify for, you know, Medicare and Medicaid benefits waivers that can pay for food as medicine, or whether that's through, um, you know, senior centers and, and other programs or food banks that, you know, are supporting um, food insecure individuals with groceries, you know, looking at how do we add kind of prepared meals to those, um, to those baskets that, that folks take home. So that's another, you know, exciting piece that's on the horizon for us um, is just, you know, kind of trying to, trying to solve that puzzle of, of access for food insecure adults and seniors. That's amazing. Kirsten, how many States are you all serving at this point? So we have six culinary centers that are around the country. Um, and we, from those, because three are on the East coast where the States are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we serve, I think we're currently delivering to probably 15 States. That's so cool. That's I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. This has been just, I don't know. It makes my heart happy when we, again, like how are we making the world a better place through business? We are creating, you know, profitable businesses that are taking care of food insecurity, which is one of the most foundational problems that kids deal with. So Kirsten, thank you again for being here with us. It's been amazing to talk to you and to introduce you and revolution foods to our listeners. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking with you all. Thanks so much. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.